Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. you're tired as i am but we're back for episode 45 of plastic model mojo and we're fresh back from las vegas nevada yes we are i'm telling you there's nothing like a a national to get your mojo going man i am telling you i i it was a great time and uh folks will hear as they listen to this episode what a great time it was well on that regard what's been going on in your model sphere (laughs) i guess we know yeah, I guess we know. I, I got an inje- a super injection of mojo because that's exactly what the Nationals is for me. It was really interesting to talk to to the folks there and catch up with with people and meet new people face to face for the first time. the The interesting thing to me about the Nationals is you go there and you look at all these great models, and you have two opposite thoughts at the same time. Thought one is, oh my God, these people are so do this so much better than I do. I will never get any better. I'm quitting the hobby. And at the exact same moment, you have the, oh, that's cool. I want to try that. Ooh, that's a neat idea. I want to do that. And I always come away from the nationals with the with the mojo flowing. It's no exception this time. How about you? Oh, a lot of the same stuff. I mean, uh, we had a great time. It was four fabulous days, more or less, I guess, yes. wasn't it? Four nights, yep. three days, something like that. Yep. It's all it's all run together. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we put a little guest registry out, and of all the people that came by, 58 of them managed to sign the registry. Yep. There's a lot from the West Coast area, but uh, they're from just about everywhere, including... Not in the contiguous 48. We've got everybody from uh, the East Coast all the way to Honolulu, Hawaii. Yes, we did. And Honolulu, that was a, that was a nice little surprise. That was. I'll mention that, too. We've got some various, very generous gift givers among our listeners. We've got some, some good candy from Hawaii. We've got some bourbon from Utah. Uh, we got some swag from our buddies over on the Plastic Posse podcast. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just appreciate all that. I was, it was really, really interesting to hear what folks had to say and having them come by the table. We had a great table location. Yes, we did. Uh, absolutely. It was, it was wonderful to have people circulating through the vendor's room, see our table, and people made a point of stopping by to to talk to us about the about the podcast, and that was, that was wonderful. Oh, yeah. So everybody who came by the table, thank you so much. It was, it was a lot of fun to get yes. your uh, comments and your insight and your suggestions and all that stuff. So, yeah. And keep them coming. Things to, yeah, keep them coming. We're going to implement a few of these things we heard about, I'm sure, and some topics and some things we haven't covered that thought folks would like to hear. So hopefully in the, in the, in the remainder of this year, we'll, we'll get some of that done. Don't know if we'll get through all of it, but we'll get, get some of it going anyway. Yep. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, Mike, uh, what's your modeling fluid of choice tonight? Uh, I'm having a solid pour of uh, dihydrogen monoxide. 
<laughs> what a coincidence. I, I'm, oh. I'm drinking Agua Fresca. And uh, <laughs> also known as an Oxidanes. Also known as H2O. Or common water. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why both you and I tonight might be, uh, might be drinking water as our model sphere, our modeling fluid. I think I drank uh, tonight's modeling fluid Thursday or Friday, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. I wouldn't say we overdid it, but, uh, you know, there were some lubricated conversations throughout the throughout the week there. Yes. Not to make it sound like a Bacchanal, we had uh, tons of folks in our in our hotel room each night, and they were they were liberally consuming some uh, modeling fluid as well. So ultimately, in the scheme of things, it was not bad, but certainly worth taking a little bit of a break, hydrating a little bit to get back in top form. Uh, especially because we were on uh, Pacific time and uh, three hours. Uh... Three hours behind of where we were, came yes. from where we came from. And, uh, you know, late nights in Vegas are really late nights <laughs> for, some, for some guys on Eastern time. Yes, it is. The problem is that you also pop, you also pop awake at 6 o'clock local time. I know. So what about you? Same thing, water? I am drinking uh, H2O, Agua Fresca, the the elixir of life. Uh, I figured uh, I'd take a little break, maybe, uh, you know, just recharge so that uh, uh, in the, the modeling sessions that are coming up, and believe me, there will be modeling sessions coming up because uh, I'm fired up. So I thought, I thought I'd give myself, Mr. Liver, a little break tonight. He deserves it. He was good. He he held up his end. Well, uh, Dave, have you done any modeling since you've been home? Uh, as a matter of fact, no. But I'm <laughs> hoping to do. I'm hoping to do a little uh, tonight after we record. Uh, most of yesterday evening or yesterday afternoon and evening was uh, unpacking and getting out all the goodies and uh, trying to get some organization into this mess, but. Uh, uh, if I'm lucky, there'll be a little bit of modeling tonight. How about you? I don't know if I'll get any tonight and I've not done anything else uh, other than the same things you've done, but I did go and get some basswood to replace the gaff from the week before the, the nationals. So I'm going to get the, the Zis base rolling again here this week. Maybe good. Make some, make some good progress. Yeah. Well, I, I expect to see that Zis wrapped up soon. Uh, just like my M30 better be wrapped up soon. Well, just to clue folks in, we're going to do things a little different tonight. We recorded some segments uh, while we we're at the Nationals, several, some of them I think you'll hopefully you'll enjoy all of them, but uh, we're going to kind of take a break from the normal format and uh, kind of talk around some of these segments and just have a, a 2021 IPMS National Convention recap. Does that sound like a good idea, Dave? Yep. Perfect. Well, first up is uh, that little reunion uh, I planned with my old buddy, Mike Idacavage. And uh, we met him early on, first day of the show. He was volunteering at the registration desk, as he's renowned for doing. And uh, he came by for a little table time the next day. Or maybe it was that day. I don't really remember at this point. (laughs) They all run together, man. Well, let's get into that. This is a reunion with an old friend.
Well, Dave, we got a, an old friend from a long time ago sitting here with us tonight, uh, helping out with the contest here with registration this morning. We ran into my old friend Mike Idakavich from a long time ago. Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. Great to see you, and great to meet you there, Dave. After you're just being this uh, disembodied voice for <laughs> for so many months on my podcast that I listen to. Thank you. So, to give the listeners some background. Um, I'm from East Tennessee originally, Johnson City, Tennessee, and we started an IPMS chapter there in about 1985, uh, of which uh, Mike was one of the founding members. There were about a half dozen of us when we started. Uh, I got roped into being treasurer, and I was underage. I did not meet the age requirement to be an IPM treasurer, uh, but we had to have the officer's slots filled to form the chapter. Yep. And uh, just some great times, Mike, and I'm really glad to, to reconnect with you and to, uh, to see you after all these years, because I don't think I've seen you since 1987. I think you're right about that, and it's amazing how things evolved where we started from back then, and here you are, a, a uh, famous celebrity. I, I don't know how famous I am, but uh, we commented earlier before we started recording out, it's, it's great that we're both still in the hobby, uh, yeah. because uh, those years were, I was a teenager, just had a driver's license and uh, was bringing myself to the meetings and the, down to the model shop, the hobby shop there in Johnson City, and uh, going to model shows with you guys. Uh, you know, in today's world, I, I guess parents would ask, Man, who is all these guys you're going across state lines with and all this stuff? <laughs> it might have a little different. Uh, people are more protective now, but uh, yeah, then my, we... my, my mom had met John from the model shop down there. And, I guess you figured everybody was harmless, but uh, yeah, uh, it was good times. Yeah, and, it, uh, it sure was. And in fact, I was trying to recollect once we first uh, connected, what type of models you you were really interested in? Because I I remember you being interested in a pretty wide range. Well, back I, was, then. I was building armor then, oh, and I was okay. into model railroading some as well. But for that IPMS chapter, it was all tanks and trucks and stuff like that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It's... Well, I brought something along for a little nostalgia. Oh gosh, so, oh, I got to see this. See if here. you remember this. Let me see. It's a little yellow. Here you go. Oh, outstanding. It's the IPMS Southern Appalachian Scale Milers 1987 Contest. Experimentals and Prototypes, which, by the way, I was guilty of coming you up with that You came up one. with that as our very that, first show? Because, yeah. in fact, there's oh, a blurb in there about outstanding. it. Oh, this is outstanding. Oh, right. Time machine. That's right. Here. And I was showing Dave, also penciled in there as a, somewhere as a, a tow cable layout for a model I was working on at the time, <laughs> which I still have, by the way. Yeah, but you haven't finished it, so. Well, Mike, you were into real space at that time. Yeah, which is why the, the experimental prototypes and stuff, that's why it fit in there. So uh, I, am, I am impressed. But, and you could tell you are a true modeler. Because I kept you don't, it. You kept it. You kept everything. I kept everything. it because it was the first thing. I've, I've got a, that is a keepsake box I've had for, since I was a teenager. Yeah. I've been in it since 1987. I, I, I think I'm going to bribe you with a modeling fluid to see if you can make a Xerox copy. Of sometime I, I, in the future. Only after we sign it. The both of us sign it. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. And we'll You're copy serious. it. Okay. No, I'm serious about that. That is awesome on there. That, that was fun. Um, now, and I just remember. Go ahead, Dave. Now, Mike, um, do we have any embarrassing photos or stories of my, uh, about Mike? Because... If there is, we Which could. Mike, me? We, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If 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 you've got some some stories or photos, uh, incriminating photos, uh, of of Mr. Basquette there, 
I'm, we're probably I'm safe there. I'm pretty sure yeah. we can get top dollar for those. You things. know, I, I I do believe we probably took a few photos, especially in the, those early days. But I have, I'm going to have to dig them up out of the vault there. <laughs> if you interesting can, to see if you yeah. Yeah, yeah if you can come up with an old contest photo where Mike's a teenager with a fro, you know, <laughs> or or he's bedazzled his jeans or something like no, that. Remember, pretty, top we, dollar. We were this, modelers, Dave. Yeah, yeah, and this was East Tennessee. It's bib overalls. Yeah, because you can put your exacto knife right in that front pocket. Yeah, just like there. the the club logo. I can't remember who drew it. But, uh. <laughs> well, um, I remember, you know, I, I remember a lot of stuff from them. I, I remember your old Subaru. With, Man, you have a better memory than I do. Well, it gets better. I remember that you put the sunroof in it. Yes, you did. Oh, that, that is really <laughs> impressive there. And yep, we used to go right, to Charlotte and Salisbury yep. and uh, yep. Asheville. All over the place. All we, over we, we, made, we had some, as a group, we did some pretty long road trips. It was, it was pretty good. And everybody got along well. Yeah, it was good know, times. Like, yeah, it, good times. it worked out well. Well, what are you that. doing for this show? You helped with the registration desk? Uh, according to uh, Joe Porsche, you, you were quite a fixture. You are quite a fixture in the IPMS. <laughs> That's what he called you. And they missed you on the on the West Coast. Uh, yeah. I came in, well, at, at the last IPMS Nationals, so the, uh, the uh, 2019 in Chattanooga. On there, I was the not the overall contest coordinator like Bob Bob is for this one, but I was responsible for the whole the contest itself uh, on that. So okay, that's so a big job. It, you did a really good was. job. That was well, a great. Thank you. We had a, lot, was, we had a lot of models uh, got in there. That was a fantastic show. And, and one thing you got you may not know if you missed the audience misses that 4 a.m. on Thursday, I ended up get, ordering 100 tables from. Atlanta, we drove them up and we installed 100 more tables oh, wow. into the contest. Well, probably 60 were crammed in. We had a, a Something like that over. might go down here. Yeah. Yeah, I think it may. <laughs> I think it may on that one. So there was a lot Because this was getting kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for, and so for this one, I've, I've been helping over the years the registration. So I came in Tuesday, helped set up, um, not okay. say helped set up, but work on, you know, get a position. Then all day yesterday, registering and part of today. Well, so right. so back, back in the day, you were doing mostly real space kind of stuff right yeah and, and i do a lot of that still a, a, a big interest um right and i don't know mike if you remember when i was at in Kingsport toward the end and i can't I remember if i told anybody i was an astronaut candidate i had applied to be an astronaut oh really I, no i, I didn't through, know that yeah i, I, I don't I, remember that yeah i, I don't know if i had told maybe you didn't people. tell anybody yeah, yeah in case you didn't Ma- make it mainly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here i am so I, things worked out well um uh, yeah probably i can't, just can't remember i don't but i don't think i kind of advertised that i was okay interviewing with nasa for Oh, wow. And then I find out after I did that is that uh, they never take anybody on their first application. It's right. usually three. It's the wow. average astronaut has to apply <laughs> three times. And by then I was moved on to doing what I do now. Okay. Being a scientist, 3D printing, things like that. Sounds good. So, Go ahead, Dave. So you do, you, Dave. Do, you, do you do still do real space these days or what's your, what's your model interest these well, days? Well, there's only one really true scale, 70 seconds. Thank you. Uh, on that one, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm not. And, <laughs> yes. and, and I also have, unfortunately, I've been corrupted by your podcast and I, I did a T-34. Dave won't tell anybody. Yeah, that, no, I won't because I will tell you, admittedly, uh, I've, I've got a 70 second scale T-34 that's on the shelf of shame. Uh, and the T-34 is just a really neat-looking tank. It I, is. Ca- I can understand yeah. why anybody would go, you know, I'm not a tank guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in building that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you working so, on now, Mike? Let's see. What I have is a, a uh, quarter-scale NASA F-104. 
Quarter scale is 148th for folks who oh, are sorry not about age. that. I'm still old school occasionally <laughs> on that one. So, yeah, 148th. Um, science fiction. So, I have the uh, a car from the Blade Runner, which I. Ooh. If, Ooh. If, if we were driving, I just finished that about a week or so ago. Uh, okay. So, with, uh, on that, and I go do airline. I have an airliner and a Russian S300. Uh, <laughs> Grumble. Grumble, yeah. yeah. 72nd, though. Yes. So, Cool. Working on model collect kits. So I, I do still a pretty wide range. Life so did you bring much for this show? No, uh, TSA always would probably give me a dirty look, so it's Okay, <laughs> just, well, just mine got small. a little bit damaged. i got to fix it before we get on the oh, table. No. I brought one. What'd you bring? It's a, I built that old Airfix Morris tractor and Bofors 4100 oh, nice. tank gun. I built that kit as a kid, pre-Tennessee Model Club. I mean, as a kid. Okay, it, and is this the same kit? You've, you, it's, this, mm. it's the same kit. It's a newer one, right. but it's the same. Oh, kit. okay, okay. I, I he did it as a nostalgia build. <laughs> and I'm going to do another one. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we get to see his fingerprint on the. No, no. no he I, did a, I did he a lot did better a, job. Yes, <laughs> I think the other one just had the tires painted black and the decals put on it. Uh. That was it. Pretty much it. Well, on the theme of shows, sure. Um, you're with the Atlanta Club, correct? Yeah. And uh, we would like to plug your show on oh, the podcast. Great. So. Let us know about the uh, the AtlantaCon for okay. 2021. Usually, uh, we've been having shows there for for years, and they're quite well attended because in Atlanta, you're at the crossroads of a lot of uh, of areas. Whether it's cal- people coming down from Tennessee, Carolina, right. Alabama, so we and it's right literally about five minutes off uh, I-75, so the big interstate. Right. Very easy to get to. It's a big, open, good, nice, good facility, and. Um, we were holding it. I remember the date, October 23rd. We moved it around because of COVID a couple right, times. Right. So I want to make sure I gave you the right date. October 23rd, uh, we will have a, a pretty good suite of vendors there because, again, we, we've had a reputation of, of really bringing quite a lot of people. We tend to be yeah. one of the better. Again, we're lucked out with a, a very good chapter, IPMS chapter there. So uh, we do that in conjunction with um, we're, I'm the IPMS Marietta chapter, the IPMS Atlanta. So we, we really. A lot of the people you saw at the at Nationals, tw- uh, 2019 Nationals, uh, half of that were our chapters. Okay. So it's those same people. So the multi-chapter effort Multi-chapter, and, and, but we're so used, to work, yeah, okay. so used to working together, so it goes off pretty smoothly. So, uh, pretty wide range of categories. It's actually a little bit like a mini Nationals. Okay. We try to, so we have a, a lot, whether it's armor, space, a lot of cars. Very, very popular. Yeah, very popular uh, down that way. Atlanta, on North there. Carolina, South um, Carolina. Not, and there's some pretty good models in the area, so you'll get to see Off some shore. really nice stuff. There were, there were nice smilers in the, back in the day from that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Some fun times. So I uh, really like to encourage people. It's pretty good. Our, our theme is Operation Desert Storm. Okay. Um, we usually try to keep it just one and, and let right. people focus on really what they like to build. Gotcha. On there. What uh, The website for uh, the show is www.ipms-atlanta.org. Um, I assume that somebody can go to that website and get all of the information about location, times, contest costs, all of all of that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's correct. That's Good. correct. And there's contact information if you have a particular question. Uh, they ask that isn't isn't there. Just send an email and we'll get right back to you. Great. That's fantastic. All right. Well, Mike, gl- great to see you again. We'll talk Same some here. more off air. I'm sure we're going to sign this oh, this old show flyer. Looking, looking I'll get your to copy. That. And uh, enjoy this little reunion. So okay, it was great thanks for stopping it. by, man. And, okay. and again, if you come up with any incriminating pictures, oh, 
We'll, we'll, we'll fundraise. We'll, we'll crowdsource. <laughs> I'm, I'm now motivated to, to find right. that. That's and, right. And there's That's always true. the magic of Photoshop. There you go. Oh, yeah. You can make, <laughs> make fake news about me. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks again. Thank okay. you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Well, Dave, that was really great. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I need to send Mike that uh, that old show program we signed from our yeah. from from our invitational way back when in 1987. I can't believe I still had that. Neither neither could he. I was going to say, I, I, th- his reaction when you pulled that thing out was just absolutely priceless. It was worth worth the price of admission. Now, I am hoping that he locates some some teenage pictures of you as a teenage model geek. If he does, and if he sends them to me, I will definitely be sure that they make the Facebook page. All right. Well, hopefully he doesn't find any. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I, w- I want to see you with a fro and bedazzled jeans and the whole nine yards. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a moment out here to uh, ask everybody when you're done listening to this episode, if you would... Uh, take a minute at the end of the uh, at the end of the episode and go to whatever podcast app you're listening to us on Stitcher, whatever, and give us a rating. We'd appreciate five stars. It helps uh, the podcast become more visible. In addition, if you know a modeler who's not listening to our podcast, who isn't into podcasting, who doesn't know what podcasts are, uh, if you'd help them out. Show them how to get our podcast and get them listening. We'd appreciate it. That's really how the listenership grows. And we had several people come by the table who had with either with somebody or on their own to tell us that someone had gotten them listening to our show. So we appreciate that. Please keep it up. And while you're rating our show, hopefully the others too, you can find all the great podcast content over on our consortium website, modelpodcast.com. You can find links to all the other podcasts and hopefully soon, if not already, I haven't checked in a while, uh, Stuart from over at Skill Model Podcast will start getting uh, our blog friends up there as well. So be sure to check that out at modelpodcast.com. And also don't forget to, to uh, check out our blog and YouTube friends as well as the podcast. we got uh, Chris Wallace with Model Airplane Maker out of Canada, and we just about gave all your stickers away, Chris. Almost. And then we've got Mr. Stephen Lee and uh, with his blog, uh, Sprue Pie with Frets. He's got a great blog there. You can get all kinds of uh, interesting content in the model sphere uh, from Stephen. Jeff Groves, Mr. Inch Eye Guy, all things 72nd scale. Uh, it's kind of open he might have come to the Nationals, but I guess he couldn't swing it or thought-wise A little to too far. A little too far for him. He, uh, really? We we went further than him. No, he no, he lives slightly to the east of us. If you go north, he lives slightly to the east of us. Well, maybe next time, Jeff. And finally, Jim Bates, our friend from the West Coast. You can check out his uh, Scale Canadian TV blog and uh, his YouTube channel. That's not right. No, blog and YouTube channel. You got it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm kind of flying off the cuff here. That's all right. Uh, finally, if ever there was a reason to join IPMS USA or your IPMS national organization, uh, the last four days showed why. The national convention would never occur, and a convention of that size would never occur without IPMS USA. 
And IPMS USA doesn't exist without all of the volunteers who uh, step up to either help run the national organization throughout the year and also show up at a convention and, and not only enjoy it, but work to help others enjoy it. I hope uh, some of you stop by the uh, business meeting on Saturday morning. Luckily, I was there and nobody threw rotten fruit, so that's probably a sign that uh, uh, we're doing pretty good. I know our membership is back up to a five or six year high, and that's because a lot of you guys have joined. Please, if you haven't joined, please join the National. Mike, one of the great things about going to a national is you get to meet up with your friends that don't live near you, that you only interact with online. It's the one time of year you get to see many of those folks. And we got to see friend of the podcast, Jim Bates. Jim went out to the nationals from Tacoma and he got a special treat because he got to uh, take a quick trip and tour out to Nellis to the, what they call it the threat collection, but it's colloquially known as the petting zoo. And so uh, Jim got a chance in the morning to go out and take a tour of the petting zoo and then come back and tell us about it and his other experiences at the Nationals. Why don't we give that a listen? All right. Well, here it goes. Well, Dave, we're in day two now of the National Convention here. Yep. And, uh, Friday afternoon, and man, I'm it's... starting a little tired. <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about, man? This I am on a I'm on a plastic contact high. I guess so. This well, is... somebody else here is on a high too right now. Uh, <laughs> Jim Bates from Scale Canadian TV has sat down here to join us, and he's just come back from a fun little side trip. Tell us about your side trip there. Well, I got uh, excited to uh, work out a deal to go over to the petting zoo. Tell us what the petting zoo is. I think the petting zoo is technically called the Nellis... I've got threat, it on my phone. The Nellis Threat yeah, hold on. Assessment something. Hang on. I did this on purpose because I knew I would forget. The Threat Training Facility, which is all the Russian gear, both inside and out... And uh, being a big MIG fan, I just sat in two MIG-23s and a MIG-29. And, and an MI-24, right? And an MI-24 and a T-55. Yes. And uh, it's a little warm outside in the T-55. but I imagine it's warm in any of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Luckily, the MIGs were inside. So, but did you got, enjoy it? Oh, it, one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> I keep saying, as a kid of the Cold War, I read about all this stuff, and it's crazy to be 20, 30 years later sitting in Nevada, sitting in one. Yep. It, it, I've, I've happened to have been a couple of times previously, and it's it's just the most fun you can have with your clothes on. It's I agree. I it's agree. fantastic. Um, yeah, and that turquoise blue is something. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Seem to be a common theme on the inside of all that stuff, except yeah. the tanks. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was I was taken aback by something that Chris Wallace said when he was building the hind is how iconic that was of our youth because it was in Rambo and Red Dawn and all these oh, fake yeah. hinds yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah. And uh, I got to see one fly five six years ago at uh, 
Yuma, Arizona. It was just amazing to see one flying in America and we weren't being invaded. It was yes. Yeah. And to sit in one was just and, as cool. And well, to you, do that, now you got to go get a Puma kit and convert into a yeah, right. stand-in hind there, there you go. <laughs> when you saw it flying, did you did you raise a fist and scream Wolverines? I did. I did. I did. It brings up the question, should you see the second Red Dawn or not? No. I've never seen the second one. No, you should not. Well, that's the North Koreans. Yeah, right? the North Koreans invading the U.S. Come on, guys. <laughs> Just because you don't want to tick off the Chinese. Well, Jim, what else have you been doing? You've been spending a lot of money in this big freaking sea of plastic. You know, here. I was doing okay till today. Um, yesterday was de Havilland Day. Picked up a couple de Havilland types. And today I have lost my mind and bought a 3D printed World War One tank, which is wicked cool. Well, I've talked to him, and we're going to have him over here sometime to, later this afternoon to talk about his business. Cause yeah, I, that I've, seems cool. You see a lot of these little niche 3D print things going on out here on the floor, but that guy's got not just a couple of full kits but he's got he's, like 10 tables he, he's 10 put, tables worth of this thing. right he's putting out on an industrial scale yeah, yes yeah. he is and which, most surprises me because a lot of people 3d print and i'll probably ask him about this but you know print the masters and then resin cast it right yeah, yeah he's not doing that yeah. yeah so i got a few questions for him yeah i'm, no, that I'm was, interested that was cool and they look pretty nice so have you been into the model room today I have not been in the model room today. That's my next stop. I know when I left last night, it was impressive. It is even more impressive. Um, Mike and I took our stuff in first thing this morning, and I, I am positive that they will set a record on the number of models entered. Um, they are space-challenged. I think they'll manage to get everything on the table without too much difficulty, but it's not like there's going to be a lot of empty dead table well, they gave space. up they gave up on the saturn five <laughs> yes they put it on the floor <laughs> i can't decide if it makes me want to quit or inspires me it to does do both. better it does both at the exact same that's yeah. the dichotomy of the nationals you walk through the model model room and there is half of your brain that going going i can never do this i'm quitting that's it etc and the other half of your brain is like Oh my God! I want to do that. That's fantastic. Yeah. How did he do that? I got to find and talk to him, or her, or whatever. Um, so both of those things happen at once. But I do know that when I leave the nationals and go home, every single time I go home and have a building spree, or painting spree, or finishing spree, it inspires me to complete models. And this may be styrene heaven, but. I'm not even here for the styrene. I'm here for the people. Yes. And there have been many wonderful dinners, after-dinner drinks. Um, I have, once again, as an attorney, never passed a bar. Uh, exactly. At the Nationals. So. <laughs> He'll be here all week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can find me on YouTube at... Right. right. A scale Canadian TV. Uh, and also, the, the, the 9 o'clock show is completely different than the 7 o'clock show. But, um, and as your attorney, I advise you. Thank you. Uh, no, uh, Jim's absolutely right. As much as, as you know, the world's largest traveling hobby shop and getting to go see great models, the real fun thing here is getting together in groups. Modelers, because we all have this common language, there's an immediate rapport when you sit down with a group of guys, even if you've never met them in, in person before, only interacted online, all of a sudden, it's just immediate, immediate rapport, immediate uh, 
um, gel, and it's fantastic time. Well, the, the crazy story is how I ended up at the petting zoo. Is Since this has been going on, I've been trying to get to the petting zoo for a couple of years and not knowing the right military people. And uh, the posse guys were looking at going, and I was trying to beg them for an extra seat, and they didn't have room. And then I'm in the model room looking at models. John Nowak, IPMS USA president, comes up. We had known each other a long time ago, and we were both in Ohio. And the guy who's standing with him said, oh, you like MiGs? Because I was giving John a hard time because he's got his picture, his profile pic is in front of the MiG-23 at the uh, Air Force Museum. And then he said, oh, you like MiGs? You want to go to the petting zoo tomorrow? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who do I Who so do just, I have to kill? So it's like, uh, yeah, I was ready to kill one of the posse members and, and able right. to get to go because they said if I murdered one, I could go. Um, but then that'd mess up their show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, speaking of those guys, TJ came by earlier, TJ Holler from the Posse, and, you know, we did that segment with him in our last episode in 44, and we kind of joked around that maybe he was worried we'd oversold this. Yeah, I think think he's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he told me he was good. So. <laughs> well, and your first nationals, as I've told a number of listeners who stopped by at our table and, and came come by to talk to us, uh, you know, your first nationals is always special because it, you can't experience all of this for the first time again so and it's great for the guys who are here because this one is a super impressive national so their first memory the one that they're always going to remember is going to be one of the really great ones you make me sad every time you say that because i don't have great memories of my first nationals because it was like i was 15 it was Dayton Dayton 88. 88 So I was in high school, so I was driven there. My parents were there. Everybody was probably trying to get me from stopping to buy models. So um, I count my true first nationals probably Columbus sometime in the 90s. Yeah. Well, no, it was Columbus right after I took the bar exam. So Columbus 97. 97. Yep. Count that your first one. Yeah. Yeah, I might. It's like your second virginity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I took a nationals purity challenge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. He, he wore a promise ring. You don't want to know where. Okay. <laughs> this has got off the rails very fast. This has. Yeah. Well, let's go enjoy some stuff. That sounds great All to right. me, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Dave, quite a few folks we know got to go out there. I kind of wish we did too, but we had plenty going on. I don't think I had a less of a time at the Nationals because I didn't get to go, but boy, everybody that went was really excited. It's fun to see. It is one of those things that, because of its rarity and because it isn't any sort of museum, uh, it's an actual working training facility for the the Air Force. That it's it's there's there's stuff you, there that you don't see anywhere else, and they're not the normal museum rules. You get to climb in stuff and climb on stuff, and I've been there thanks to my my brother. I was there uh, at least three times, and it's just, it, it's awesome. So I, I know how how excited Jim was to finally get to go, especially since we didn't think anybody was going to be able to get out there. Well, Dave, we ought to take a little break here and get a word from our sponsor, Model Paint Solutions. Good idea. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder steam back airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. 
Well, speaking of model paint solutions and Dr. Strange Bruss, John Miller is soliciting questions from the listenership for the next installment of Dr. Strange Brush. So those can be sent to us here at Plastic Model Mojo by email at plasticmodelmojo excuse me, plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com. Or you can send them to John directly via his email provided on his Model Paint Solutions website. And I believe that's modelpaintsolutions.com. Yes. If you have a topic that you would like to have discussed, uh, please send that to us or him, and we'll be collecting those and kind of distill them down into groups of related topics uh, so he can talk about those and uh, hopefully answer some more specific questions for you, you folks. And I can't tell you the number of people who did stop by the uh, table and tell us how much they enjoyed John's segments and enjoyed uh, uh, listening to the information he provided. And they were asking us to make sure that John comes on again soon. And believe me, that's going to happen. Yes, it is. Well, Dave, this, this next segment has been something I've been trying to, to get to ever since we first saw their display up at the Indianapolis show in 2020, February, 2020. Yeah. Many episodes ago at this point, we did a segment, uh, kind of, uh, tagging along to this on the bench segment on model manufacturers, we kind of uh, parsed through the current state and prior history of uh, U.S.-based model makers, model kit manufacturers. And uh, we kind of discovered doing that, that many of the ones that are left, well, there's not many for starters, so that's probably the wrong way to say it, but of the few that are left in the United States, almost all of them deal in nostalgia. They're either doing follow-ons to the old Aurora line with some of the subjects that never got done in those you know, famous monsters and things like that, or they're doing all the classic car kits, all the old space and uh, concept models. And this manufacturer is, is no exception. This is uh, Atlantis Models out of, out of New York. And we've got a little interview here with Peter Vetri, the president of Atlantis Models. So let's have a listen. Well, Dave, we had a little trouble yesterday and uh, Peter Verdi's Come back, uh, Peter's with Atlanta Scale Models. Peter, sorry about the little gaffe yesterday, but we appreciate you tolerating us once more and, no and have another shot at this. No problem. Uh, again, Peter's from Atlantis Models, and you're based out of New York, right? Yep, Deer Park, Long Island. Yep. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about Atlantis. Uh, so Atlantis was founded in 2009. Um, originally, how I got into the hobby business was... Uh, I was a co-founder of the company called MegaHobby.com, and that was started in 2000. And uh, we really wanted to get into manufacturing when we first started uh, to get into the hobby business, but it was cheaper to have an online retail business. Uh, sure. Manufacturing was very expensive, uh, so we started MegaHobby, and uh, you know we we grew the company, and it uh, started out in the basement like most things do, and then it finally grew into a, a big warehouse we were in, and then in 2013 we had an offer to someone offered to buy it and we sold the company and then we just solely focused on the um, Atlantis toy and hobby the manufacturing side of the business so there was a point in 2009 or 2013 we had both of them at the same time which you know difficult to be to have both you know sure. wasn't doing a, enough on either end so it was nice now to finally just focus on Atlantis where did the name Atlantis come from uh, we, it's kind of a magical, mysterious place, and uh, yeah. we really, uh, it kind of came from that song by Donovan, you know? Okay. It's, uh, 
Remember the movie Goodfellas? Oh, yeah. Stomping on Billy Bats' head and that song's playing in the background. <laughs> we kind of like that, you know, but it's kind of mysterious and yeah, we just liked it. We wanted to have something with the letter A, tribute to like Aurora and all, you know. Sure. So. Yep. That's rather Queens sounding. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it happened. <laughs> well, we'd, we'd done a segment way back at the beginning where we went through what had happened to the American kit manufacturers and who ended up with who now and who owns what and what these things have distilled down to. Uh, and one thing that came out of that was how much the American makers, Atlantis and then folks like, I don't know where they're making their kits, but Polar Lights and... and right. Mobius. Mobius, Act 2 or what? Round, round two. 2. Round 2. All this stuff is so rich in the model kit nostalgia. Yeah, it sure is. And did you have any tie to that? Or is there any reason that ended up there for Atlantis versus, uh, you know, Japanese airplanes or pickup trucks or well, whatever? Well, uh, to go back a little, so um, just so your listeners know, back in 2018, we purchased a lot of the old tooling from, yes. from Ravel. And we can really put out what we have the tooling for. And most of the stuff we have the tooling for is really those vintage kits from the 50s and 60s and 70s. So all of that stuff just, you know, it, it all just ties in. And yeah, we're in the nostalgia business. We're in the, you know, the memory business, you yep. know, getting... How, how did you all acquire those, those mold, old molds? Well, what happened was uh, Hobby Co., who I owned Ravel at the time, and they owned Estes Rockets, they right. owned Great Plains Distributing. They were probably the biggest hobby company in the United States. I think they had over eight, 800 employees, I'm pretty sure. And January 10th of 2018, which January 10th is my birthday, so <laughs> it was, uh, they, <laughs> nice filed, they uh, filed for bankruptcy. And uh, we were like, wow, you know, it was, and we kind of knew things were going a little crazy because we had sold to Great Plains and we were, payments were getting a little bit longer to come in. So that's yeah. always your first sign, you know, yeah. you say, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, 60 so, days, 90 yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> 60 turned into 90. And so uh, we kind of knew something was happening, but we didn't know to what extent. So. Long story short, they filed for bankruptcy, and then they were going to have an auction on all the assets. You know, they put everything in the blocks, and we had uh, contacted them, and we signed all these non-disclosures so we can get all the information of what they're auctioning, and that's how we really found out about all the molds that were really there. And uh, we tried to raise some capital to get it. It wasn't quite enough, so they had an auction, and this company, Blitz, had uh, purchased Ravel and Ravel Germany. This other guy purchased Estes, and they're doing great now. And... Uh, and then the, a couple of months later, after that purchase, we got a call from my friend Ed Sexton at Ravel, and he said, you know, there's a lot of molds here. They, you know, they either want to scrap them or sell them. Do you guys interested? And we were like, so we went from completely being dejected because we knew it would be great to get them for a company <laughs> to saying, wow, yeah, yeah, we want them. So we really, you know, you're kind of buying them sight unseen. You're not going to, you can't just go down and open everyone to inspect. It doesn't work like that. No, they're, big and four, heavy and they're big and heavy. So, <laughs> and they but, just want to get rid of them. Yeah, they, they want just, you to yeah. take everything off their hands. So it's, you know, the deal was, you know, you had to pay for it all, couldn't, you know, uh, buy it all, no cherry picking, and you had to get it out by a certain date, which I think then was like August 15th or something. Um, and yeah, we went down to Elk Grove Village. That's where they all were. And that's how we got them all. And we got a lot. How, how, it, by weight, how much were all those miles? Over 400 tons. <laughs> and we shipped them up by rail car. And I was telling you, like, you know, some of these molds that were made by Aurora, and when Monogram had purchased Aurora from, from the Bisco in the late 70s, they went on a rail car right to Illinois, 
and they, now they're coming right back right, to right. Long Island. <laughs> some of them are still on those original pallets, still never touched. Mm -hmm. Do you, so how many in individual kit molds was in were in that? Oh, there's lot probably that like you, you know there was probably close to a thousand individual molds of all different sizes. Okay. Some molds little molds are small. They weigh sure. you know, thirty pounds. Some of them, the biggest one I think we had weighed twenty eight hundred pounds. <sighs> Some of those big. Uh, what molds were really big? Some monogram was interesting because they put they packed like. That's why you can see like a monogram car kit. Everything's on one mold, and then there's one they shoot it, and then they always cut off the chrome parts because they have tabs on them. Right. You always notice those chrome parts are in the same color as the rest of the kit. I mean, if you look closely, you can find yeah. the yeah. tabs where, where they dunk them. Where Ravel, they pretty much had the the cars, and then they had a separate called a unit chrome holder, and that was just for the chrome parts. They were separate. They weren't there. So each company did things a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of molds, and they make you know hundreds of kits in the end. Now, many of those molds, 40, 50 plus years old, what kind of shape were they in when you all got them? Yeah, very done with a lot of quality, really high quality steel, beryllium copper. You know, most of them we had one that we opened up, a uh, P39. It, some water must have got in. You can actually drip right down the middle and it creates this pitting. So we had to go really that one. You have to like remove metal yeah. to get yeah. that out. Because if it's surfaced on the model, mm -hmm. you got to take away from the mold. Yeah, sure. It's the opposite. Um, but overall, we've they've been in pretty good shape we've you know we've added some parts here to make them better like giving uh, making nuclear parts for things that never had them uh, like the uh, white gas truck for some reason they didn't make clear parts for that back in the 50s like they must have you know got a little cheap on those so <laughs> sure. we said all right let's let's make it better let's let's add our own clear parts and we did but overall the molds have been in really good shape that's great it's really good shape yeah really as long as you you see that grease in there. That's the key. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's, That's what I a told good him sign. last night. Yeah, you know, they, and there's so many companies like, you know, I know probably uh, Johan and a lot of those old companies, I'm pretty sure a lot of molds were, you know, kept outside over the years and, you know, really Ravel, they really kept it all good. You got to, you know, away from the weather, away mm. from the weather. You don't even want to keep them because we had someone, we moved them to Deer Park. We had kept a couple just by the garage door and we were seeing already like there was rust yeah. forming on the outside just in that cold air and dampness coming in. So we, now we have them, we moved them all. So you have to be, you know, you have to keep them. You have to keep them really away from the elements. Just out of curiosity, do you have any tool making background? At all? Are no, you, no, no, none. That's I've been learning, learning about it every day. <laughs> now, do you all do your own injection on the molds? I mean, yeah, we we have a couple of factories that we use here in the states, but we did open up our own uh, uh, dynamic plastics, is the name of it. That's uh, just two doors down from us in Deer Park, and uh, yeah, now so now we're doing that. We still have another guy in uh, in Illinois who does molding for us. He he does a great job. The thing is, with a lot of the stuff we left in Illinois, is because the chromer is down there. Okay. Chroming parts. It's a nasty very, job. It's a, not a lot. We we can't. No one even does it in New York. You can't even do it. So we had to. A lot of the car stuff we had to kind of leave down there because the chromer's down there. So it just makes it easier to do it. But yeah, we do. We are doing so. We do all of our planes up in New York. All of our tires that we have. A lot of the kits that don't need chrome, we kind of move those molds to New York and that's that's what we do up there and we did get uh, 
I know I was telling you about uh, machines, the quality of machines. That, that makes a big difference in how your parts come out in the molds. You know, the better quality machine, the better quality hips you use, which is high-impact polystyrene, um, the better parts you're going to have coming out of that mold. How is... Uh cost control been for uh, raw materials here lately because yeah, gas is high and plastics high everything's gone up yeah everything has gone up I think you know you see that across from the supermarkets to everything I when we started the hips was a dollar ten I think now it's a buck 49 mm -hmm. uh, shrink wrap like you know that goes to wrap the kits in that went up 15 to 20 percent and the toughest thing has just been the boxes a lot of the paper mills are really backlogged with getting paper out to oh, yeah. you know it used to take when we started it was like about four weeks five weeks now it's about 12 wow. so we had to actually find other people to print boxes and that's an added cost because every box you have to make a die for right you know and so we have you're not going to move your dies from box place to box place so that's an added so every time you find a new guy you need him to print boxes you have, you have to make a whole, whole new set of dies but you have to do it. You can't put anything, can't sell anything without a box. Well, I'm seeing your stuff a lot of places, not just the shows, uh, hobby shops, retail stores. What's your distribution like now? Distribution's great. When you have a line where you have a nice variety and selection, you know, you have your ships, your planes, your cars, your tanks, it makes it a lot easier to get into some more mainstream kind of stores. But we're always, as an industry, we're always fighting for more shelf space. Yep. You know, I, you know, like if you're, um, you know, if you're looking online, you type in plastic models, you'll find whatever you want. Sure. It, it's all there. However, if you're driving or you're walking down a street, you know, in your neighborhood, you probably won't run into them. You know, you won't uh, see them as many places. It's just not a lot of, especially, you know, there's really not many department stores. Target and the stores that are big, they really don't have a, big selection of, right. of models, especially if you want any paints or any of this stuff you <laughs> yeah. see, see here, you'll, you'll never find it. Yeah. That's what good hobby shops are for. Do you plan on doing new, doing any new molding, new design, new kits, completely yes, new? Definitely. Um, we want to, we have made new, prior to buying these molds, we did make, uh, we had black beer, we had the American black bear, the bison, that was all, we did a few UFOs, that was all new tooling that we did. Okay. Um, now, yeah, we're going to do some, uh, you know, besides, you know, making clear parts and tires and things we need to complete models, right. we're going to do, you know, you have to do that because you're kind of 90% there. That guy's got a Snoopy. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'd like to do like uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald, you know? I'd love mm -hmm. to do a 1 600 scale kit of that. Um, we're also going to be making some parts for uh, custom cars, these Keyless Customs that we're doing. Uh, so we'd want to make some uh, new seats and, and some engines and maybe a new body for things. So yeah, we're definitely going to be putting our mark on them. With so some new stuff. Do you all contract out the the mold making itself? Yes, we don't we don't do that. Okay. That goes to there's normally a guy that we have who kind of de designs it on the computer, CAD right. files and stuff, and then from there we kind of go to the 3D printing phase, which is great. It's changed a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. it really changed everything from that standpoint. Where you can say, okay, you can just 3D print it, then tweak it, go tweak the file rather than 
the old days they would kind of make the mold and then put it in and say oh we got it you, you know it was mold. a lot yeah. more work it was a lot more work so the 3d printing really came in big for us that way so that's kind of the way you do it and once you get it right then you just kind of go to cut steel or in some cases you can use aluminum now it's cheaper yeah. and it's not like you need to get a million units out of these things. You're not going to, you know, it's, you're not going to sell that many, but sure. aluminum's come a long way too as far as mold making. Well, Peter, thanks for stopping by again for a second time. No and, problem. Uh, we got it this time. I really wanted to get you on because I've really been following your, your company. I wish you all success. Yes, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. you Take care. Peter Vetri from okay. uh, Atlanta Skill Models. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, to let folks happen with some of the front end jokes on that segment, uh, <laughs> had a little gaff the first time we recorded with Peter and, and uh, he was gracious enough to come on, come by for a second take. And, uh, he knew like we did that the second take may not be as good as the first, but I think it turned out all right. And, uh, we really appreciate Peter coming by and having a talk with us. That, that was pretty interesting, Dave. I never really talked to anybody like that. As people who know, have listened to all our episodes know, I have a fascination with, the. Uh, with the business end of modeling, with the, the how how distribution and manufacture works, what the economies are like, you know, what drives decisions over what kits to make and release, and uh, it was really interesting to hear from him the perspective of an, of an actual steel die manufacturer an injection molder. Yes, it was. And I've got some experience to injection molding, but they're doing some neat stuff. And, and, you know, a lot of it's the old classics and I've got, I've got, a, have got, I know I've got one of their kits in the stash. I'm probably going to pick up that, uh, Cheyenne helicopter for it's over with. I, I know it's an old Aurora kit, but, uh, yeah. um, it's one subject they've got that, that really interests me. Yep. You and a lot of other people. Oh yeah. Well, Dave, we got a new segment. Uh Oh, uh Oh, what could have brought on a new segment? Wagons Ho for Omaha. Wagons Ho for Omaha. In 331 days, Dave, the Wagons Roll for Omaha and the 2022 National Convention. Not even a year away. I am so proud of you for having done the count. I was wondering <laughs> if you had actually done it. And the reason it let, that it's much less than 365 is that Omaha's uh, holding the contest July 20 to 23rd. So... Th almost three weeks, almost a month earlier than Vegas held it this year. So that means there's not that much longer till we have another national. Uh, that's, that's the best news I've heard since getting to go to the last nationals. <laughs> well, you know, people are already saying, we'll see you next year in Omaha. So I guess we got to start right out of the gate here because we're already a month behind. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we spoke to show chairman Scott Hackney uh, in Las Vegas, and uh, we, we want to announce that we're going to be working with him and his team to bring you all the latest information regarding this show in the coming months, in the coming remainder of this year. So not a lot to report yet because they, they were just free to start talking about their show after the 2021 show kicked off in Las Vegas. One thing I'll say, if any of those guys are listening, uh, the URL they have on the card that he gave us is still showing up as uh, available on uh, GoDaddy. So uh -oh. somebody might, somebody might want to get on that <laughs> as soon as it's official, I'll provide the URL, but I'm not going to spout out right now because they may have to change it. You never know. Exactly. Exactly. So expect to hear more from Scott in the future or a representative that he appoints to handle that. We haven't decided yet how he wants to do it and, uh, expect, uh, expect all the news. 
You excited yet, Dave? Yeah, I'm already excited for for the Omaha Nationals. Now, keep in mind, I've been to the last two Omaha Nationals, and I know what a great facility it is and what a great job they do there. And, you know, like I said, sometimes people think Omaha, middle of nowhere, et cetera. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's a really great setup for our size convention. And it's a su- surprisingly metropolitan city for its size and geography. It is. It is indeed. And, and I'll tell you what, if you like steak, Omaha is a really nice town to, to eat out in. Ooh, kind of like Oklahoma City was. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's got another thing going for it for us. Which is? It's on Central Time. Not Well, it's got another thing, too. We can drive there. It's a 10-hour drive. Last time I attended the Nationals with two of our MMCL club members, and we drove all night to get there. It was fantastic. That might undo the fact that it's two hours closer by time zones. <laughs> But it's the nationals. You don't care. You don't care what time it is. Man, I had a blast, but I, I wonder how much more of a blast I'd had if I wasn't tired. <laughs> you survive. You need to start training for Omaha. Okay. I guess I do. That's right. Be like Rocky. You wake up at like four a.m. You couple of raw eggs and then go out for a run. You're a runner. You go out for a run. You get get in shape for it. I'll give that some thought. I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> yeah. Okay. While we were at the Nationals, we got to see somebody that I met three weeks ago, or two and a half weeks ago, really. When I was on vacation at the beginning of August, uh, vacationing in in Panama City Beach. Well, uh, having through posting pictures on the Facebook page, found out that one of our listeners was local to Panama City Beach, and that allowed us to... Uh, meet up and talk. And so I got to meet Mark Sprayberry. And it turns out that Mark, a modeler and a hobbyist and a figure painter, had just within the last 60 days become a part owner of Sabo Miniatures. And so I got to talk to him about what he was doing and all of that. And then he was out at the Nationals and stopped by our table. So we got to talk to him a little bit more in depth about what he's doing. And uh, Hopefully, we're going to follow his journey as he moves from hobbyist to hobbyist businessman. Here's a little bit of that. Well, Dave, we've run into your old friend from Florida here. Yes, we have. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing outstanding. Doing tell, outstanding. The pe- tell the people who you are. I am Mark Sprayberry. I am partial owner of Sabo Miniatures, and the, my other partner... Uh, is Jim Rice. Well, uh, when you say partial owner of Sabo Miniatures, you just got into the business end of the hobby very recently. Yes, I did. So Uh, how did that come about? uh, Brett called me up one day and said... Now, who's Brett? Brett Avance. Him and Jim Jim were the owners of Sabo. And uh, he called me up one day and said, I'm tired. Um, I, I want to do some more family stuff, so are you interested? And I said, absolutely. So, <laughs> so that's that's a pretty big leap to, to get into the hobby business. Uh, you don't have a prior background in it except as, as being, uh, being a hobbyist, Just Just a modeler. 
Okay. Just okay. to model it. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, Absolutely. So let me back up. Tell people a little bit about yourself, your history, and ha how you got into modeling and what you do and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, I started modeling. My dad was in the Air Force, and he got stationed in Hawaii. And I think my very first kit him and I put together was a, I want to say it was an Aurora kit. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, I think I was about maybe seven, eight years old, and uh, just it, it just exploded from there. You know, just you know the typical kid. Earned my allowance cutting grass, shoveling snow off the driveway, and then in Hawaii. No, no not in Hawaii. Because okay. he was he was stationed in Arkansas. So okay. So we had to I'd cut grass and shovel snow there, and uh, you know I'd spend my money at the PX at the buying models and such um well, what genre models did i was got into figures uh mainly what my end was mainly 32nd scale uh aircraft world war ii world war one and then i kind of got out of that got more into the air racers okay and did a little bit of that then strictly radiant right into uh 24th scale world war one okay that's what i love the most, uh, the larger scale. Uh, Frank Mitchell actually got me into <laughs> going into that more or less. So, and then uh, did a deployment to Iraq and came back. And I, I don't know, I don't know if it's the PTSD, if it's the instant gratification, but somebody actually um, pushed me into figures. Okay. And uh, said, hey, why don't you try it? So I tried it and Hooked yeah. ever since, huh? Yep, ever since. <laughs> so, well, we're at the nationals, and that's why we really want to get you over here, to get your, get your take on the show, because we're going to have you back on again for a little more full blown talk about Sabo miniatures. Um, what do you think, man? You got here about the same time we did, I think. And yeah. Wow. They, <laughs> they, these guys have done a fantastic job considering the the situation we're all in. Um, couldn't ask for a better show, really. Now, you had a little fiasco with your suitcase at the airport. Oh, yeah. Was it, were, there, were your entries in there? No, thank you, God. Um, <laughs> no, I actually hand-carried those on the aircraft. But okay. I, I did have uh, uh, two, two of our bust that we were going to uh, donate to the raffle. Uh, I, you know, since coming into the company late, I had already talked to Joe Porsche mm -hmm. about it. And he said, yeah, if you'll just bring them with you, and I'll, I'll get with you. So I did. And that's what I had in my suitcase. And... Uh, we get off the airplane, get to the carousel. We're waiting. We're waiting. There's two bags on the carousel, and they just keep going round and round. So I just went over to the airlines, <laughs> suit, you know, the, the yep. suitcase thing, and uh, talked to them. And they said, "Well, we'll we'll look for it." I went down and sat, uh, went outside, sat down, and then about 30, 40 minutes later, I went back inside. Okay, any word? Nope. And then. A phone call came in, and I heard her say my last name. So I, you know, that's yeah. going to trick the spotty senses on the back of your neck. So I said, I'm that guy. And she said, oh, some lady just got to the hotel. She noticed that she's got your bag, and she's <laughs> on her way back. Thankfully. Well, yeah, yeah, because that doesn't happen. You know, most people just. That's true. Yep, yeah. So there are still some good people in this world. What did you bring to enter? Uh, I brought a. Uh, nine, nine items, uh, three, three busts, and the rest of them are figures. Okay. 
So a Spartan figure, uh, Confederate soldier, Viking. You're all over the place. I'm all over the place. <laughs> uh, one of I brought one of our figures that I had just finished uh, back in March, February or March, uh, 90 millimeter uh, Continental guy. So you must have a lot of reference books. I have a, I have a few. <laughs> I have a few, and I know people. Yeah, hey that's man, the key. Hey man, tell me how. I, I looked at the I looked at the figure ca and bust categories. Man, they are crowded. They are. They are. There there are some talented people. Yeah. A whole lot of talented people. I'm kind of worried. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so. the experience. It's not the no, whether or not you win win an award. No, absolutely, absolutely. I, this, I, this is the first time I've actually entered a figure in in the nationals. Really? Yeah. So, the last couple of times it had been uh, mainly aircraft. Okay. So how, how many nationals have you been to? Do you know? I'm gonna let me see. Atlanta. I I went to Atlanta. I'm trying to remember if Atlanta was because I got out of active duty. I in can 90, tell you when in Atlanta 95. was. Five. <laughs> I think they had. Didn't they have one in '97? They had Atlanta. Yeah. '92 or three. Okay. Uh, and then 2005. Yeah. And then 2000. Okay, so I did. I did go to 2005, and I went to South Carolina. I went to Chattanooga. Chattanooga. But I only. That was only a day or so there. So you've uh, been spoiled by some good conventions. Man. Oh, absolutely. And th this is my first West Coast. Yeah. It's all been on the East Coast. Yeah. So I did want to go to the, what was that one in uh, Virginia Beach? Yes. Hamptons. I wanted to go to that one. I had plans to go, but I just, it, I wasn't able to. Yeah. Were you having fun? I'm having a blast. All right. Well, spending more money than I need to. Now, <laughs> would you do me a favor and tell, and tell everybody who's listening that, yes, indeed, David was right. This is the best four days of your year. How much you can pay me? <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It is. It is amazing. These guys have done great. Um, there's plenty of things around here to, you know, see and eat and what have you. So Tell them how to find Sabo Miniatures. Uh, SaboMiniatures.com. Uh, you can also check us out on the Facebook page. Um, since, since we have some hillbillies in the audience, spell the word Sabo. Oh, my gosh. And miniatures. I'm the, you're, <laughs> you're asking a guy from Georgia to spell. Okay. I have to write this down. S-A-B-O-T. Miniatures. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Hey, no Thank problem. You. No Thanks problem. Stop by. Get out there and buy some. Uh, yep. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, the deals. Hey, it's Saturday around noontime. The deals are starting to really happen. Yes, they are. I've seen quite a few people... You know, last day, 50% off. There's whatever. a bunch of 50% off high-end yes. tank yep. kits over if there. You ain't if you're not here, yeah, you've missed out. <laughs> yeah. You really have. All right. Well, thanks again, Thank Mark. you. Cool. Thank Take you. Take care. Hey, no problem. Bye-bye. Well, Dave, that's that's funny that uh, you managed to meet up with him twice now in, in span of three weeks. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he's a great guy. It's really, really fun. And that is one of the thing I things I've learned from from getting to meet all our listeners at, at Las Vegas was how we all have this common bond in modeling, and it's kind of we it's kind of like we all speak the same language to begin with, and it just makes it makes an instant friendship, an instant connection. This next segment was uh, ended up being kind of a coincidence the way it came about. Out in the uh, kind of uh, hallway or corridor between the uh, the vendor room and the model room, there were some tables set up for folks who weren't 
really doing retail business, but they had a message or organization or, or whatever, or a podcast. I think the model geeks were out there. The model geeks were out there. And uh, there's a gentleman set up out there manning a space-related information table. And uh, his name was Ed Barreth. And we stopped by because he had some big NASA stickers. And we, we got some space swag from Ed. I gave him one of those stickers from my employer that had been up up and back to the ISS. The one that's got the re-entered the Earth's at- atmosphere at Mach 25 stickers. Yeah. Uh, which we send up and get back to, to give out for kind of the novelty of it. Uh, really made his day. He really got excited about that. Well, anyway, we're in the model room later, and uh, I spied a couple of really sharp pre-war yellowing airplanes, a Brewster Buffalo and a Vindicator, and I, I just thought they were exceptionally well done. Now They were. Knowing folks love to talk about their models, uh, I had made up some little table invite tickets uh, like Fine Scale Modeler does when they want to photograph your model to hopefully get them to come by the table and talk about their model. Well, in this case the modeler did and it just happened to be Ed again. So <laughs> that kind of worked out. It did. So, it did. so we had, we had a little conversation with Ed about his, the painting of his yellow wings. And it turned out he also did a 32nd. Then those two were 48 scale. And he'd also done a 32nd scale, uh, Kitty Hawk models, uh, Kingfisher as well. Also as a yellow wing. And it was fabulous too. So Mike, do you know anybody who might have acquired or be in the process of acquiring such a kit? Uh, that would be me. So, uh, I enjoyed that conversation a lot. And it reminds me, I need to check the Hong Kong tracking on my package. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I'm ever going to get it. Well, anyway, here, here's our conversation about Ed and, and letting him talk about his models. Sitting next to me is a gentleman named Ed Barath. 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 Okay. And, uh, the reason I got Ed over here is I was out on the, uh, the model room floor last night and I noticed two yellow wing, uh, kind of pre-war a Brewster Buffalo and what was the other one again a uh, vindicator a vindicator and the reason I wanted to look at this first they're both beautiful I love those schemes in fact I just bought a set for kingfishers and these aren't yellow wings but they're early early kingfishers yeah. yellow is a difficult color to manage for a lot of people those airplanes the, the color is is a, a, a good color of yellow and it was put down excellently are there any tips you could give the listeners who, because we get people talking about yellow all the time. Do you undercoat it with a different color of white or anything first? Or what, what types of paint do you use? Just tell me what you can t- tell me about it. Okay, I use, uh, for that yellow is Gunzi Sanyo, the acrylics. Okay. I like that they have a, they have a very good yellow color that uh, other, to me it doesn't quite have it. it. It catches it very nice and it's acrylic. And no, I don't, I don't pre-prime that I just take my time and, and, and light coats. Okay, so you like build it up things. slowly. And the reason I think I, I, it comes out so interesting is because most people then leave it. They don't touch it. Okay. This is after I, 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 I paint it, I wash it with oils. Okay. And that gives, that gives some depth to it. Now, you're talking about the weathering colors or, or, or yellows? No, the weathering colors. Okay, because the, the weathering on the wings was very subtle, and it really made the whole thing pop. You can see the streaking on it. And right. I commend you. Um, I've got a couple of kingfishers I want to do that are yellow wing. And, uh, oh, I did that one also, oh, by the way, the 32nd yes, kingfisher yes, yellow that's wing. Yes, too. That's mine, yeah. too. Okay, well, fantastic job. Uh, I did one a couple of years ago, and, it, and it, it did very well in Phoenix in 2018. Okay. And 
for some reason, I just kind of fell into it, and I had this, that, and, and I did that. And that Vindicator is actually in Fine Scale Modeler. Okay. In November, I, I think, of last year. I'll have to go back and look. So, yeah. It, it, I probably it, saw it, but I didn't make the connection. So that Vindicator was that. I, I love accurate miniatures. Okay. And... Um, the combination, I, I encourage, in fact, that was the whole point of the article for Fine Scale Modeler, was that I really like, I did the Kingfisher in 32nd, right. and then I said, you know, I want to see if I can carry that to 48th. So that did the, the Vindicator, and I had spoken to Fine Scale Modeler, and it came out very nice, and then I also kind of pitched to them, you know, the trouble with the Vindicator is that it's a hard kit to find. Okay. And it's a kind of fidgety. It's a, it's old accurate miniatures, but the scheme is really nice. And then I said, well, why not try it on an obvious kit to find, like the buffalo? It's a, to me a buffalo. You can find it anywhere, pretty right. much. It's a simple, basic kit, and so it's a perfect kit to do that scheme on for those people who kind of like that scheme. And as, as the, a first one, as a first one, yeah. You know, uh, as opposed to the Vindicator, like I said, is, is, a, fin is a very finicky kit. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, hard to try a new scheme on a hard kit yes. for the first time. Yes. Yeah. But you can easily get the Tamiya anywhere. And, and it's just, and I I built it out of the box. I, I added a Zoom, you know, cockpit okay. set. That's about it. And other than that, it's built in. It's, it's closed cockpit. It's easy. So, and it fits together real well. And it's a good kit to practice that scheme on. And uh, people like it because it's that combination of the metal. And the color. And the color. <laughs> and um, I dull it with Tamiya flat. Okay. On the, on the, uh, on the yellow. That's probably key, too, because it helps your, your shading. And yes, it does. Because I find that Tamiya is just slightly semi-glossish mm -hmm. when I really and and for that you can I, I can also compare it to when I use the Gunsy uh, the Gunsy flat like for the black right so you so you can you can do that you can get full flat on on the the black uh -huh. versus almost flat, almost flat on, on the, the wings okay. versus kind of shiny on the aluminum you know it, it, it it's eye-catching it's eye-catching yeah it is well, that's why I put my tag down next to him and got you over here. Well, talking about finicky kits, I've got two of those kingfishers coming to me from Hong Kong. The, the, the kitty hawk? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Call me. I, I actually did, for my local club, I did stuff where I redid some of the instructions. The instructions are horrible okay. on the kit. Well, I've got another gentleman's build guide for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I would be happy to send you my notes on it. Oh, fabulous. Well, you gave me your information. Thanks. Uh, because I can certainly tell you every pin is bigger than the hole <laughs> that it goes into. And I knew this going into it, but uh, when Kitty Hawk went out of business, I went out and looked for two real quick, and I got them for like 60 bucks a piece. It, it, it's just... It builds up beautiful, but you just got to get there. What the key is is really the construction plan. Okay. In other words, you, you can't follow their instructions. That's what the other gentleman was saying. He said, you can't build it because you'll break crap off. It's, it's, the, it's the dumbest idea I've ever seen. They, you know, you know you've heard of the KISS principle. Yes. Of keep it keep simple, it simple stupid. stupid. Okay. Their instructions uh, ask you to take every sub 
assembly in the, in the inside the cockpit and put them all together and then put it inside the cockpit and put it together. Why would you do that when you can put each individual <laughs> sub-assembly into the cockpit, make sure it fits, okay? Why would you connect a whole bunch of stuff, make it bigger than it needs to be? Right. That, and, and, and they just, the, the way they want you to put stuff together requires you to, to rethink it all. Wow, okay. Especially the engine <laughs> yeah. and, and stuff. They, they have you put stuff in the... And I don't remember because it's, it's been a long time, but I can send you, the uh, if you give me your information, I can send you my notes. Okay. Which tell you, especially for the engine, they, they, they have you do dumb things. <laughs> they, they have you put stuff out of that before you do that. It's just, it's constant that way. Okay. That well, if a couple of good people have vetted it out, maybe I can get through it without too much trouble. Because I'm a tank builder for the most part. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the, the funny thing is the big parts all are fine. Okay. It's all the little parts yeah. that need work. All right. I'll, I'll keep that in <laughs> mind, and I appreciate you helping willing the offer. But thanks for stopping by. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, good luck out in the, in the, in the uh, model room when the awards start getting passed out. Thank you I, very I, much. I'm going to go look at that Kingfisher again now that I know you yes. built it. Okay. Yes. Thanks a lot. Sure. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, Mike, that was fascinating. Uh, I happened to be out and about when that interview occurred, so I'm getting to listen to it with the rest of the listeners, and I think that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, again, if you get somebody talking about their, their model, you know, most people, you can get them to talk, and you learn all sorts of stuff. What did you think? Well, I, I did learn a lot and I made a contact that's going to let me learn a lot more because uh, Ed took my address and, and I've also got his email and his phone number. He's offered to send me his build notes for that aircraft, the Kitty Hawk kit, because it's it's got some notorious hangups. Yes, and, it uh, does. I think a tank guy's going to need all the help he can get. <laughs> hey, after <laughs> after that, uh, what you did with the Paul, I'm confident that you can, you can conquer that Kitty Hawk. Uh, I think the Paul had as many parts as one of the engine cylinders on that Kitty Hawk 30 second <laughs> well, scale King, Kingfisher. <laughs> that's probably, you know, that's probably true, but Hey, we all got it. We all got to start somewhere. Well, Ed, if you're listening to this, uh, thank you. Thank you for your offer. And I'm, I'm going to do my best to take you up on it. Mike, I almost hate to mention this next segment, but everybody wants to hear it. So we kept it in. Okay. So Mike, what broke your wallet? Food. True enough. True enough. Folks, casino food is not as cheap as you might have been led to believe. Unless you're from the West Coast. Yes. Maybe. Anyway, joke. the joke is, it's not a joke. It's it's funny. Uh, between the arrival on Friday, or excuse me, between arrival time on Wednesday through dinner on Thursday, I had spent more on food than in the vendor room, and we skipped lunch. Yes. Absolutely. Every day we skipped lunch because we had a huge breakfast. And a huge dinner, which was the way to do it, man. But nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> so what broke your wallet? Well, a Russian representative from uh, Master Club Tracks was there selling his tracks at a, a nice show price. And that coupled with not having to pay shipping or even sales tax if you buy them on eBay. I picked up two sets. At a substantial savings. 
two two sets of Master Club tracks at a, a substantial savings. I got a set for the Stalin and that's STZ5 artillery tractor, uh, which is a kit our good friend Ian McCauley found me up in Canada. And the T-50 infantry tank. I got a set for that one, too. Surely that's not all you bought. That is not all. The folks there at Value Gear, somebody there was blowing out some stash, looked like, and uh, the guys from the posse were sitting up next to them at their table and showed me something. Said, man, you got to buy this. This is cheap. Well, I didn't want that one, but I, I dug through the stash, and there was a German SWS tractor, half track there, with a 3.7 centimeter Flak 43 on it. It's the unarmored version. It's a little bit yep. harder to find because I don't think, uh, who has these now? Hobby Boss or Trumpeter picked these up. I, I think that's right. Uh, this is one of the great wall boxings, the original boxings, and it's the one I wanted. I had one of the other SWSs and I sold it at one of our shows a few years back. But uh, and I was actually going to convert it to this one, but they released this one, so I sold sold the sold, sold my original one and I picked this one up for about thirty dollars. What else did I buy, Dave? I bought a set of decals you put me on from who made, who made those? I can't remember. I don't have them in front of me. Oh, uh, uh, old, an old Aeromaster sheet. We were both standing at the Rare Plains Detective uh, set of booths, and he had old decals in boxes that you have to page through. And I found an old Aeromaster sheet for Kingfishers. And that sheet, of course, because Aeromaster's long gone, uh, that sheet's long gone. And uh, given your predilection for kingfishers, uh, I turned you on to that one. Well, I appreciate it. And then finally, I bought a few things I didn't tell you about. Uh Uh-oh, you were holding out on me. Uh, On the last day, there was a guy there selling mostly miniatures. And uh, he actually had some uh, vintage kind of Dungeons & Dragons fantasy figures. from. They're all 30, 30 30-something years old, still in the blister packs. I dug around, dug around. He was pulling them out, showing me other ones he had. And I ended up with a stack of about four, four or five items. And it added up to, to X. And I said, how much for the stack? And he mulled it over a minute and gave me a number that was uh, X divided by two. <laughs> One of those last day deals. Yeah. 20 bucks. <laughs> I don't need to be facetious or secretive about it. It was 40 bucks and it went to 20 without him even trying. So that was a no brainer. There were, I will tell you, one of the things I did notice about this this show is on Saturday, m- many, many of the vendors uh, started discounting more heavily than I've seen in past nationals. So there were deals to be had. So that's what I got. I don't think there's anything else. I did, it, did have another, another kit I picked up, but that was a gift from uh, one of our friends. Yes. Yeah. Well, what about you, man? I saw you spending money. Yes, I did. Well, um, first first things first, when uh, Mr. Bates arrived from uh, Tacoma, he did not arrive empty-handed. Uh, he had purchased some kits from Airfix, and he brought me a 72nd scale Avro Vulcan, the new kit, and the new Bristol Beaufort, as well as a book to, that he wanted to lend me. So that started the ball rolling. Let's see. I I purchased a, a special hobby KI-54 Hickory and a special hobby ME109E3. Uh, Speaking of the E3, I ran into Barry Numeric in the uh, model room, and uh, he 
graciously offered when I get ready to build that one to uh, give me some hints and tips because while it's a really good kit, it's apparently, you know, not to me a fall together easy. I bought some B-52 decals in 72nd scale. I have plans for B-52s, and so I wanted to get those. I bought a, and you and I talked about this vendor. There there was a guy there who was manufacturing a, a variety of stuff, but 35th scale World War I artillery, uh, 72nd scale early war tanks, uh, bunches of stuff. And he had a uh, 72nd scale German World War I refueling cart uh, in 72nd scale, and they came two to a pack. And the thing about his stuff is it was all 3D printed. Now, there are a lot of folks out there who will print a 3D master and then mold it and then use that mold to make resin copies. But that's not what this guy was doing. He was actually making, printing 3D items and selling the 3D items directly for sale. And the stuff is pretty delicate and really nice. So I had to pick up one of those refueling carts. Then I picked up four books. Somebody had purchased a really, really good aircraft reference library, probably from an estate. They were selling them, and they were selling them very, very much under face value. I basically picked up four books, each of which would have run anywhere from $49.95 to $69.95, and I paid 10 bucks for each of those trying to remember if there's anything else I bought. I was, my dilemma, uh, and of course, uh, it's the dilemma whenever you fly, is that I was constrained by space, especially since I had that big Avro Vulcan to get back. It meant that I had to be very careful with kit purchases, uh, or I'd end up with, uh, with no room. But Managed to get everything in, and uh, when I got back home, I had a final thing because I had purchased off of eBay a set of uh, 72nd scale resin ejection seats for the TU-128 uh, from some vendor in Riga, Latvia, and those had come in while I was gone. So I got those and opened them up, and uh, they're beautiful, really nice. I do have some wondering about whether or not these are the original manufacturers produced uh, items or if they are uh, repops, simply from the fact that they did not come in the original manufacturer's packaging. But in any case, they're very, very nice and uh uh, I can't wait to to get working on those. Well, I think we, given our travel limitations, we did pretty good. A little restrained. I've certainly spent more at a, at a Nats, but... Uh, yeah, we were selective. We targeted. We did. And uh, I'm pleased with what I got. And I, I don't really have any regrets about anything I passed up because most of the things I, I passed up, I can get pretty easily. So I was trying to look for things I couldn't get so easily. The one thing I have a minor regret passing up is... That one vendor who was blowing out the 35th scale kits at half price and that British Mark IV tank in 35th scale. Uh, if oh, I had the, had the room, I might have picked that up. The, the TACOM stuff? Yes. 
yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good deal. Same. There's one there. I would, I might have, maybe that one. I don't know, but uh, I just didn't have any room. Yep, me too. Because that all the podcast equipment, a suitcase, a backpack, <laughs> and my model. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were we were traveling pretty heavy. Well, I, I want to get him on the show at some point. The, the guy making the 3D print stuff, because I, I know currently that's kind of been the buzz post show. 3D printing, not not necessarily his stuff, but uh, and where that falls as far as contests and things like that. It's kind of an interesting hot potato right now. Yep. And uh, we're going to tackle that a little bit more in an upcoming episode, talk about 3D printing and uh, what we think about it. We'll save that for a different time. Our last segment from the show is uh, our, final, our final parting words with the uh, IPMS Nationals show chairman, Bob Lomasaro from Las Vegas chapter there. And uh, kind of our, our farewell with him and a little show recap from him. And uh, let's see what Bob had to say on the last day of the show. Well, Dave, it's the last day of the show. Awards are tonight, and it's been an absolutely blast of a time. And we've got show chairman Bob Lomasaro with us one more time before this is all over with. Bob, thanks for coming by the table. Uh, thanks so much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here as always. It's, we've had a blast. You've done a fantastic job with this show. We, nobody knew what to expect. I think it's gone off from our end without a hitch. If anything went on, nobody knew about it. Thank you so much. Again, my, the credit goes out to my guys. They just did a fantastic job. They've been working really hard. Um, thank you. We were, we, our main goal here was to provide a really good show for our guests and attendees, and I'm happy to see that everybody's having a good time. Yes. Bob, I want to tell you, again, I've, I've got a lot of history with the Nationals. Uh, this is number 26 for me, and I have never seen a National run more smoothly than this wow. one. Wow, thanks so much. Particularly registration, uh vendor room organization i know you were scrambling uh with the models in the model room because as we probably thought might happen you had a butt ton of models wow and i know but all of that was seamless no nobody experiencing the convention as a guest saw anything that didn't look exactly like it was completely planned and <laughs> completely smooth. Well, thank you very much. We've, uh, again, it's the guys, you know, it's a team effort and we, uh, you know, we, we came together. We, a lot of credit. You mentioned registration. I want to do a shout out to all the folks that pitched in at registration. Uh, um, we've got people coming from um, Omaha, from the Omaha show, yeah. and they brought their team in to help on registration. And as you know, they do a dynamite show. Um, they're, they're pretty well experienced and uh, we had, uh, you know, Nancy up there and, and um, uh, Michael and they just did a great job and they added, you know, they added the extra weight and muscle to our guys and it went really well. I was really pleased. We opened the gates. We had a, a line up the ramp. There had to be 200 people online and uh, we opened the door at 10 o'clock and by 10.45 the line was gone. So uh, well, it went really well. We didn't even wait in line. Yeah, we got, we got here Wednesday evening after... Uh, everything had closed for Wednesday. Uh, we came out Thursday morning, walked in, walked right to pre-registration. There's no line. They're handing us packets, and bing, bang, boom. And your your people were very organized. You know, before they just handed you the packet, they opened it up. They triple checked to make sure everything was that was supposed to That's be in great. there was in there. And yep. 
that 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 makes happy convention goers. Now, what you should have been here is between eight in the morning and ten in the morning when we closed because it was just the opposite going on. Up there. <laughs> it was mass chaos, a lot of excitement, a lot of perspiration. Uh, but by ten o'clock showtime, the gates were ready to open, and and the team just went, you know, like a like a well-oiled machine. Now so I, I don't know how long how often it happens at nationals, but the uh, you you talked up the the raffle on our last episode. But one thing that you didn't say that was a surprise to me was the, the pick your own prize. That was a neat neat twist. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we've always gotten a lot of compliments on is the way we run our raffles at our annual, you know, Best of the West show. Um, my, my raffle coordinator is Pete Boucher, and the guy is just the best. And, you know, one of the things that we didn't, the takeaways is, you know, when you go to other shows, is that you take away things that you don't like as well as things that go really well. And, and Pete always felt that if you're going to enter, you know, buy a raffle ticket, you want to get what you want, uh, not something that's handed off to you. So it, it takes a little extra effort. Um, he's got a good team up there as well. He's got his, he's got his wife and, 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 and a lot of volunteers. And uh, he, we really like the way he does that, and I think people like it too. And as a result, to be honest with you, I think we broke record sales and, and, and raffle tickets. It looked like it to me. Now, we had four rolls of raffle tickets, and I don't know how many of this probably a thousand in a roll i'm not an expert on raffle tickets but we ran out of raffle tickets on wednesday night and had to go to uh um i guess one of the local stores and pick up <laughs> another another three thousand another three thousand raffle tickets wow that's so a lot fantastic. of raffle tickets yeah he does a, a, a phenomenal job pete is a pro that's fantastic so let's talk numbers wow i have never seen a model room that crowded especially that crowded that early it it was like an avalanche of models coming in. And, you know, on the night before, we had set up the room on Tuesday, and uh, we had taken the numbers. You know, we get the average, the, uh, the the budget, what's what they call it, from, you know, all the past national conventions. And in that is all the, the, the amount of models per category. You know, so we took that and we used that as a layout to lay out our, our place cards. And I said, okay, I think we're pretty good. We might have to make a few adjustments. Come 9 o'clock when the, um, well, at that point on Wednesday at 12 o'clock when the model room, we were, we were already blew past that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and was scrambling to find more space. So we just took our final count, and this doesn't include, you know, the display room. Right. But the final count of models is 3,044. That's a good number. That's a real good number. And, and I got my first bonus. My first bonus level was at three thousand. <laughs> my second bonus level was four thousand, and I missed it. So at three thousand, I got a convention pin, and I'm really happy to have that. Well, because <laughs> they sold out. And and when you <laughs> when you say three thousand forty four models, there are some entries that are like uh, in the collections more than one, but you're only counting that as one. No, there we counted we. Well, see, what I found out, what they do a lot of time, is that they'll count, some, some conventions will count, for example, if a diorama has two trucks and five figures, they'll count that as seven models. Yeah. We didn't do that. Okay. So we counted every individual model. Now, as far as collections were concerned, if there was 20 Shermans, we counted the okay. 20 Shermans. Right. But we left out the display numbers. So right. there's 850 models in the display room. So we did not count those in our gotcha. total. Uh, but we counted each individual model. Well, Bob, another thing we want to thank you for is this location in the vendor room we got here. This is absolutely phenomenal. It's been sound-wise, it's been great. We get a little bit of buzz from the crowd, so everybody knows we're actually doing something from a convention floor. But uh, it's we wanted to be in the corner. You got us in the corner. 
and it's been worth it's been worth. Well, it I'm glad you like the spot. You know, the reputation is is that whenever the plastic model Mojo guys go to a show, they get pretty rowdy. <laughs> so we wanted to stick you in a corner where no one would get hurt. Okay, you know? well, we appreciate so, that. I'm sure all the so this is unknown to them. The, the contest attendees probably are grateful too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now it's time for you to go relax, and. I'm sure it's Miller time. It's Miller time for you. Yeah, we got we got a long time before that occurs. So, as you know, we have our awards ceremony coming up. It's you know at, at six o'clock. What well, starts at eight? Uh, we have to place all the models out on the table. You know, the awards four out. Or six, and then obviously tomorrow we got to get up and come down and clean everything up. So we got a ways to go before we hit Miller time. Uh, well, so what is what is the drink for today this weekend? What's what's going on? We about drank all our bourbon that we don't plan to take back with us. Is there any beer left in the fridge? Uh, there may be one can. Well, other than the, the six-pack for Joe. Because okay. if I'm not mistaken, I think somebody promised to bring something from Tennessee. What was it that, that you guys are always drinking? The, the oh, we're Gumball Head from, from Indiana. Indiana. And that's, that's the six-pack we have for okay. Joe. Well, you guys owe me a can of that because i got to see what that's like. Oh, we'll, we'll, we may we split between you and Joe. Joe. All there right. you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, I, I gotta, again, before we break up here again, and I always do it, i got to thank you guys for everything you do for, for not only you know the support of our show, you guys have been fantastic for the last couple of months. You pitch it all the time, and you pitch IPMS as a group, and you know, and and you know, encourage people to join. But again, I think you guys do a great job bringing modelers into the hobby. You know, it's a positive thing, and I think you reach out to people that otherwise are just uh, maybe don't have the ability to have a model club or an IPMS uh, chapter. And thank you, you we enjoy and you it. bring them in, and I, and I think you guys do a phenomenal job. Thank well, you. Very we'd much. like to do it all over again for the Omaha guys, but we haven't. Well, we got to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> See if they're up for it. Well, I'm not paying. I'm not paying any commissions, but I would say a good 20 percent of the people here are here because of you guys and all the other podcasts too. So thank you. I think you blow the hobby up that way that they want to come, and uh, I appreciate that. And I know everybody here does that. You guys do a fantastic job. All thank right. you very much. Thank you, sir. You know, Mike, it's been. Great getting to know Bob and the guys out in Vegas, Joe Porche, et cetera. You know, they they were really, really helpful in helping us promote the show. Uh, also turned out to be a couple of really good guys, and we got to interact with them on a fairly, fairly regular basis. And, uh, uh, you know, that I, I'm glad it all turned out as well as it did. It was a great Nationals, just flat out. But when you consider some of the challenges that they were facing uh, regarding the uncertainties uh, surrounding whether or not uh, they'd even get to have it, it's, it's amazing what they did. And Bob deserves all sorts of credit. Mike, as we come here to the end of the episode, do you have any shout outs? I've got a lot of shout outs this time, and I bet maybe you do too. I do. Well, I'll go first. In the show run-up excitement, uh, last episode, I missed uh, something we always do. I want to shout out all those who have contributed since episode 43, literally up to like an hour ago pre-recording. Uh, we've got a pretty good list. Mr. Matt Dyer, Christopher Church, Rick Cooper, David Fuller, Drew Savage, Tim Cavalier, Edward Kawahara, and Bob Bear. I want to thank all all of you guys for your generosity and some of you guys stopped by the table even, and I appreciate that even more getting to meet you all face to face. 
If anyone would like to join the ranks of these fine gentlemen and help out Plastic Model Mojo, you can do so by going to www.plasticmodelmojo.com and looking for the heart icon in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. Take that link to PayPal, and you can make a contribution of your desire there, whatever you want, zero to sky's the limit. We appreciate all donations, big and small. So these guys are all great. We met many of them at the show, and just thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. It's been really flattering meeting everybody, and it's just gravy. Gravy on the biscuit. Yes, and and guys, I want to tell you part of the reason uh, we were able to have the table in Las Vegas and have the setup there to do some remote recording is all because of your all's generous donations. Uh, we really appreciate you trying to help us make the show better because that's what we're trying to do is make it better as we go down the road. Who's your first one? My first shout out is when we were talking with Mr. Sprayberry uh, down about uh, Sabo Miniatures. Uh, he lives in Panama City Beach, and there's not a current IPMS chapter in Panama City Beach. But he and two or three other guys, somewhat locally, are trying to get together and put together an IPMS USA chapter. So if there's anybody out there listening who lives somewhere around Panama City Beach, all the way down to Fort Walton, Destin, you know, anywhere east or west of Panama City Beach, and you're you're a modeler and you you want to join a, a local modeling club or you're interested in help forming one, please email email us at plastic plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com. And if you'll do that, I'll pass that on to Mr. Sprayberry, and hopefully he can put together a, an IPMS chapter down there somewhere around Panama City Beach. So hopefully you all who are listening be able to do that. We'll be able to get a new chapter formed. Well, Dave, my, my next one is uh, for the warm reception I got from your little fraternity there. You guys call yourselves the Septemberists. That's their nickname, and I, that's deep in the midst of time. I know uh, I didn't come along till after they had all gotten that nickname. <laughs> well, regardless, it's all good stuff all around. Uh, some great conversation, not all modeling related, which was makes no. it even all the more interesting, really. Some really interesting stuff. So if, if those guys are listening, thanks a lot. I enjoyed meeting all of you, and uh, see you again next time, maybe. Absolutely. They'll, they'll, they'll be all be in Omaha. I'll make sure. Well, my, mine is a related shout out to one of the Septemberists in particular, John Vitkus. Mr. Vitkus went above and beyond the call of duty. He ferried uh, your, you and I and another one of the Septemberists, Mr. Robinson, to the airport in Las Vegas at O dark 30 on Sunday morning. He did not have to do that. And he was willingly, he willingly volunteered to take on that assignment. And that made our life a whole lot easier. So John, if you're listening, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You really did, did us a solid. Well, I'll second that because he was next on my list too. And now he's gone above again and realized he's got two of a particular book he thought I might be interested in and uh, has asked me for my mailing address. So quite the generous man. And uh, it was oh dark 30. It was like 5 a.m. when we had to roll out and he didn't have to get up because he's driving home and 
he could sleep later. Thanks, John. He did us a he did us a, a super solid. My next shout out goes to uh, Adam Coleman. Adam is a is an IPMS member from uh, Texas, I believe, and uh, he's the one who actually started that podcast link thread on the IPMS USA Facebook page uh, that we had some discussion about over over the last episode, maybe the one before that too. Yes, yeah. over the last two episodes. Uh, anyway, he approached the table, introduced himself, and uh, a nice conversation ensued after that. Uh, I said right here on PMM that I had no axe to grind, and I meant that. And it turns out he had a great content idea uh, that really interests me. I'm not going to divulge what that is yet because I'm still kind of investigating the feasibility of how it might work and how we might implement it. But uh, Adam, uh, thanks for coming up, coming up to the table, introducing yourself and having that conversation because I think you gave us an idea that uh, might be something we could really use. So thank you. Well, I would like to thank uh, our fellow podcasts, uh, uh, PPP and the Model Geeks, who were both there at the show. We all got together for breakfast one morning. We all got together at a seminar on basically talking about podcasting. And uh, both of those experiences were really great. It was my first time meeting almost all of those people face-to-face for the first time. And uh, it was it was a fantastic experience. And, uh, you know, they're a really, really good group of guys. So, guys, I enjoyed seeing, uh, seeing you and spending time with you, and I'm looking forward to doing it again in Omaha. Oh, yeah, man. That was a blast. And yeah. it was just a, a good time meeting everybody face-to-face. Frildo about broke my hand, though. My God, what a, <laughs> what a handshake that man has. Yes, indeed. And I was even expecting it. <laughs> yeah, because you, you take one look at him, you do kind of expect that handshake. That's right. He's not a small guy. He's a tall one. Uh, anyway, you're right, Dave. We had a great time, especially in, in the uh, little breakout that, that Scott arranged in the, in the, in the uh, seminar rooms. Uh, some people had some interesting questions. That was a lot of fun. I didn't know how that was going to go down, but I, I commend Scott for putting that together. And I, and I commend everybody for showing up and participating because I, I don't know. I, I didn't know what to expect, like I said, and, and I really enjoyed that a lot. I did too. In closing, Dave, I want to thank uh, show chairman Bob Lomasaro and vendor chairman Joe Porsche and the entire Las Vegas show team. I think given what they were faced with, the uncertainty of the entire situation running up to the show, uh, they did a commendable job, an admirable job, putting, putting pulling off a, a humdinger of a show. Uh, Joe kept that vendor room full despite cancellations. It might look a little different than it might have normally, but there's some really great stuff to look at and buy. Appreciate that, Joe. I hope hope Bob gave you the beer because I gave it to him. Yes, I want to second that. Uh, the 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 Las Vegas guys did a great job uh, with the whole show, and they did a great job giving us a really nice location in the vendor room that was conducive to our ability to record interviews and and. Uh, segments like that and you know i'm already hoping that eventually again vegas will do it one more time because i certainly had fun this time all right dave so many kits so little time mike see you soon all right man i'm going to bed <laughs> Don't catch you next time you gotta take care